Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. Good evening. On the show this week, we'll discuss the rollout of the Verizon wireless version of the iPhone, the arrival of The Daily, a subscription newspaper appearing on the iPad, and a controversy involving Microsoft and Google over search engine thievery. Our guests will include Ted Landau, who writes for Macworld Magazine and is a ace troubleshooter. We also hear from Dan Frakes, senior editor for Macworld, and Peter Cohen, writer for The Loop and a co-host of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show. All this on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Ted Landau, who has been around the Mac universe for three or four hundred years, as have I. And he is just back fresh as a daisy from the Mac World Expo in San Francisco, only because he lives in San Francisco. So it was just a cab ride, right? Not even a cab ride, a car ride or a BART ride, as, as it were, yes. Okay, so Macworld Expo, the skeptics have said that Apple leaving the Macworld Expo doomed the Expo. What was your reaction being there? Well, clearly hasn't doomed the Expo. Uh, Apple wasn't there last year. We had an Expo. Apple wasn't there this year. We had an Expo. And by all accounts, there's going to be an Expo next year. So the short answer is no, Apple's absence has not doomed the Expo, but it has certainly changed the Expo. Now, last year, Microsoft was there to tout Office 2011, Mm -hmm. but the big software companies were... Were they in evidence this year? The big software companies were totally not in evidence this year. You could probably count on one hand, and as they say, maybe have a few fingers left over if you were just trying to count the big companies. Uh, Microsoft was not there this year. Adobe was not there. FileMaker wasn't there. Of course, Apple wasn't there. And uh, I could go on and on. You know, you name the company, and chances are 99% uh, that it wasn't there if you're naming the big companies. Okay, so what about hardware? We don't have Macs. Do we have peripheral makers, printer makers, that sort of thing? Well, HP was there, and I think that was primarily because they were touting their new AirPrint-compatible printers, which certainly would be a reason to show up. Aside from that, there were no printer companies there. Canon wasn't there, whatever. Brother wasn't there. Olympus Camera, Nikon Camera, those sort of companies that are often in evidence with big booths, they weren't there. No. Okay. Now, attendance was decent. I heard twenty to 25,000 people. Well, I don't know the exact numbers, so I can't tell you, but I can tell you that the floor was almost always feeling crowded. It had a healthy feel to it. Uh, some of the more popular things that were going on at the Expo, you had trouble getting there. You had to you know, squeeze your way in past, uh, past uh, several other people just to see what it was that they were talking about. Okay, so what were the hot items at the Macworld Expo? There, were, there weren't a lot of really standout items for me that, that would say, wow, you must get this. There were a couple of things that I liked. I particularly liked there was a product called Splash Top, which is a little bit like LogMeIn Ignition. It allows you to view your Macintosh in a screen-sharing sort of fashion from your iPad. Well, there are several applications, like I said, like LogMeIn Ignition that do something similar, but I like this particular one better. It seemed, it seemed to work simpler. You just Once you set it up, it just automatically connected. You didn't have to worry about IP addresses or anything like that. The controls were better than the other programs in terms of your ability to control the Macintosh screen from your iPad. It was very slick, and, and that was one of my favorite things from the Expo. Also very cute, uh, though I, do, I wound up not actually buying it because I wasn't really sure how much I would use it. There was, there was something called, I think it was called Flick, and what it, all it is, is is like a suction cup on a spiral piece of plastic, and you put it, and if you're playing one of these games that have virtual controllers, you know, so, sort of like a joystick on the iPad or iPhone screen, particularly for the iPad, a little small for the iPhone, but, but if, you, if you're playing a game that has 
has a virtual uh, joystick type controller or anything like that, you put this little piece of plastic suction cup it over the screen and it allows you to control the game in a way that feels much more like a physical joystick. And it looks kind of stupid and you think this can't possibly be of any value. But once you try it, it actually works pretty well. And it is an improvement over just having it on the virtual screen. I didn't get it because I wasn't really sure. I mean, one of the advantages to me of the iPad is that it, it's everything, or the iPhone too, for that matter, much more so, is that sort of everything wherever you are. And the idea that I would now have to carry around these little gizmos and then pull them out of my pocket and suction cup them onto the screen when I wanted to play a game, I started thinking, you know, am I really going to do that? I'm not sure. But for people who were really going to do that, it, it certainly would make sense to get one. Isn't that one consideration about some of these nifty accessories or would-be nifty accessories mm. that if you have to undergo some kind of pain or agony to hook them up to something every time you want to use them, their utility is lessened? Yes. Uh, I'm not sure that I would describe installing a flick as pain or agony. That's a bit extreme. But Well, the uh, suction uh, cup. Uh, you know, the yeah, suction yeah. cup, you want to, you know, you either stick it to the screen or maybe you have to moisten it slightly, otherwise the suction cup doesn't stick, that kind of thing. Yeah, but it seems to work pretty well. I, I think it's just the additional hassle of having to know you're at a doctor's waiting office and you decide to play the game and you pull it out and you realize, oh, my flick, I left it at home. I didn't take it with me. You know, So what good is it then? That's the sort of problem that I envision with it. So, of course, that could be the confusion. Any yeah. other products that had promise? I'm sure there were. Um, I'm blanking on them right now. There, there, well, sir, there were a couple of hard drive related things that looked interesting. There was something called the Dolly hard drive that would back up your, uh, a time machine a backup to the to a, a cloud server that looked interesting. So you could have your time machine backup always accessible, even if uh, even if you're someplace else, or or even if your all your computer equipment in your house gets destroyed. So that was kind of nice. This sounds uh, terrible. You can have your time machine and eat it too. <laughs> okay. Yes, the devil maybe do that. Or mm-hmm. the time machine did, depending mm-hmm. on your point of view. That was kind of a neat product. I like that. I, I mean, I can't, I can't say I actually was able to try it out. Isn't the sort of thing you can try out on the expo floor exactly. So I'm not sure how well it would work if I had one in my house. But it certainly looked like a promising utility. I'm a promising hard drive concept. Any real killer apps, any real killer hardware, either one? No, not in my view. There's nothing that makes me say, you know, to the listeners of your show, you have to go out and get this today. Uh, It was nothing like that that was there for me anyway. Okay, so if we don't have the killer apps or the killer hardware, what was there? Well, the main thing is that there was a clear emphasis on Mac OS devices, peripheral software, and that has uh, different from any previous expo. Certainly, you know, two years ago when the last expo that Apple was at, the show was primarily about Macs. There was hardly any prevalence uh, presence of iOS stuff. Last year, for the first time, they had this iOS uh, mobile app showcase where on these little tables, independent developers showed off their wares, uh, and and that was expanded this year to be even larger. And there were iOS uh, software available outside of that showcase on, on independent separate booths. So iOS software was pretty much everywhere, as was iOS peripheral hardware. iPad cases were especially prevalent. And uh, batteries for the for the iPhone and the iPod Touch and the iPad were, were a popular item. So a lot of this, uh, I would say 75% or more of the show was probably in some way iOS related. The major 
place where you could find Mac software was in this Mac Indie uh, spotlight that was off in the forest corner of the room. You know, if, they, if you walk into the doors of Macworld Expo Exhibit Hall, you'd have to diagonally go to the other end of the hall to find the showcase uh, spotlight, whatever it was called. And that, that alone seems to indicate that they didn't place the highest priority on it, but that's where most of the Mac products were. Aside from that, you could walk around and think you were at a uh, iOS show rather than a Mac show. It's almost like Macworld Expo isn't the proper name for the show anymore. So it's iOS Expo. Yeah, or iExpo or whatever. iExpo, U-Expo, we all have an expo. Mm -hmm. What about special events, speeches, things like that? Anything really light your fire? You know, I didn't go to a lot of them. I was a speaker, of course, at a user conference session. I went to that one. And there, there was one or two others that I peeked in on to see how they were going. There was this industry day forum the day before the expo really started, the day before the exhibit hall opened. And it was an all-day session of like 20-minute speeches from people like John Gruber and... Um, Oh, who else? Uh, I can't remember <laughs> some of the other people. Uh, Colin um, uh, Crawford and uh, a number of other people. They each gave 20-minute talks on some topic of interest. And I stayed around for about, oh, Jason Snell from Macworld was, was another one that I listened to. Uh, and they all gave 20-minute talks on, on various topics uh, of common interest. They weren't highly technical talks. They were mostly talking about how um, how Mac succeeds or doesn't succeed and what should what's likely to change. You know, Colin talked about the future of of uh, um, publishing in light of the iPad. I'll tell you what, we'll get into more of those discussions in a moment. Okay. We have Ted Landau. Mm. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from some many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you can download a version that is mostly full featured try it out and if you like it it's just 34.95 for graphic converter from lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e-s-o-f-t.com lemkesoft.com for my favorite graphic converter it's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy Flu Away Elderberry Liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible respirate formula, oregacillin physician strength capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at herbalheater.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at herbalhealer.com. 
Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. What bothers you most about menopause? Is it the hot flashes? Waking up at night drenched in sweat? How about the mood swings or putting on weight? Tens of thousands of women have turned to Amberin to get relief from their menopause symptoms. Will Amberin work for you, too? The only way to find out is to give it a try. That's why we're giving every woman who calls today a complimentary risk-free trial of Amberin with a 30-day supply free. Amberin is all natural, and its safety and effectiveness is backed by published clinical studies. Do you want a life without hot flashes, night sweats, or mood swings? Want to lose weight, sleep great, and have more energy? We've made trying Amberin completely risk-free, and you get a 30-day supply free. All you have to do is make the call to claim your complimentary risk-free trial of Amberin. Visit GetAmberin.com or call 1-800-647-9277. That's 1-800-647-9277. 1-800-647-9277. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. We resume Ted Landau. He has the user-friendly view at MacObserver.com. He's written Mac books. He writes for Macworld with you know, a lot of the troubleshooting stuff that he's always been well-known for. And we're talking about what's been happening at the Macworld Expo since Apple left it. The second attempt to produce an expo ended up with something, I gather, being very friendly towards the iOS, dominated by the iOS. Now, you mentioned, of course, Colin Crawford, one of the people who has worked for years with IDC, the parent corporation of Macworld, Macworld Expo, etc., talking about how publishing would be impacted in the future. What sort of insights did you glean from that? You know, to be honest with you, there's nothing, nothing that I really wanted to discuss here, not that it was secret, but it wasn't a lot of new stuff. Uh, the point I was going to make about, about the whole industry forum is that it was interesting to listen to. If you follow uh, the Macworld as closely as probably most of your listeners do, uh, you weren't going to learn a lot of new insights, but it was just interesting to hear from these people directly uh, and get an opportunity to see a lot of these people that, that most of, of, of the Macworld community would never ordinarily get to see. You know, some of the biggest names in the industry were there. So it was just a 
a fun thing uh, to be able to do. Well, looking at it now and looking at mm. the potential, where should the Macworld Expo people be taking it in the future, especially if it's becoming so heavily weighted towards non-Mac stuff? Well, that's the big question, as it were. And part of the point that I made in, in the article that I wrote about this for the Mac Observer um, is, that, is that it isn't. It doesn't really seem up to IDG anymore. You know, it, the question has often been, you know, what should IDG do? What should the uh, organizers of Macworld Expo do to make Macworld Expo more of a success? What direction should they take it in? Almost, it seems, uh, looking around at this year's Expo, that the answer to that question has been taken out of their hands. Uh, that, that the nature of the Expo in the shift towards iOS devices has happened. And that's the way it is. Th- those big vendors that we talked about earlier, they aren't coming back. The, the emphasis on the Mac that used to be there years ago is not coming back. This is much more of a show for consumers than for creative people as well. You know, in years past, there was an emphasis on products for making your own movies, for doing uh, editing photos in Photoshop or Photoshop-like applications, for doing page uh, layout uh, in, in programs like InDesign, for you know, developing your own bl- blog and, and learning how to do a, be an HTML editor. All those things were things that were emphasized on the floor. None of that was just about none of that was present in this year's expo. And to the extent that any of it was present, it tended to be for doing it on an iPad rather than on a Mac. Uh, and I think that isn't going to change a lot. I, I think the Mac App Store that opened uh, in January may change things a little bit towards tilting back towards the Mac because I think next year a lot of developers that are new to the Mac because of the Mac App Store may show up uh, at Macworld Expo. But aside from that, I think the, the direction we saw this year is the way the expo is going to be, whether Macworld Expo organizers like it or not. And what needs to be done is they need to either adapt to that and make the best of it or or not. And if it's the or not, it isn't going to be very pretty. It's an Apple Incorporated Expo as opposed to a Mac Expo. Yeah, very much. All right, let's leave the expo. Although you're still in San Francisco, you're not leaving. But let's look at some other things that are happening. Of course, one was the opening of the Mac App Store, something widely expected for quite a while. Now Mm -hmm. that's happened, what's your perception? Where do you think it works? Where do you think maybe it doesn't work? Well, certainly, for me, I, you know, I don't know how it's working for people um, out there in general until I start reading articles that have been taking surveys. But I can tell you from, from, my, from myself, it hasn't had much of an impact. I wound up buying a bunch of apps from the App Store the first week or so that it was open just so I would know what it was like and to see how it worked. After that, you know, I, I don't even go to the Mac App Store that much. Uh, every, you know, every once in a while, I have to remind myself, oh, I need to launch the Mac App Store to see what's going on and make sure there are no apps there that need to be updated that I've already purchased. And so for me, it hasn't had as much of an impact as I was concerned uh, that it might. I I say concerned because uh, there are good things about the App Store. Uh, There are things I like about it. I like the way it makes it so easy to purchase things. I like the way uh, it tracks all your purchases so that it's very easy to update in a a single uh, application rather than having to constantly worry about whether you need to launch each of the 30 applications that you're worried about to see whether there's an update for, for them. And I think it actually offers an opportunity to learn about new programs that you might not have otherwise learned about in the same way that you could do for the iPhone when you went to the iPhone's app store. So so there are all sorts of good things about it. Uh, my concern was that 
Apple, of course, limits what can get into the App Store. There are, prog- there are perfectly good programs that have been around for a long time that aren't eligible for the App Store because, because they violate in one way or another the restrictions that Apple has placed. Uh, the classic example that I've talked about uh, is Default Folder, a great utility that enhances how open and saved dialog boxes work. It's been around forever, almost as long as the Mac has been around. Uh, and because it works in a way that, that interacts with the system software that Apple won't allow for apps that are in the App Store, default folder isn't in the App Store. And, and now you, of course, you can still get it outside of the App Store. It doesn't mean you can't use default folder anymore. It just means that you can't get it from the App Store. Is there My, a danger, then, that's going to be an out-of-sight, out-of-mind, if especially newer Mac users or those who haven't been used to buying large numbers of apps. If they don't see it in the App Store, they won't necessarily recognize there are other resources. I'm not talking about the longtime Mac user. I'm not talking about Gene Steinberg, Ted Landau, Bob Levitas, or people like that. I'm talking about the average consumer Mac user who just wants to check some apps are they going to be looking all over the place or just that one location? Well, that's, that's, that. now you've gotten to the essence of my concern. You know, what happens a year from now or two years from now if it were to turn out that uh, 90% of all Mac software sales go through the Mac App Store, that virtually all new and some longer-term Mac owners uh, restrict their purchasing to the Mac App Store, not because something is forcing them to, but just because it becomes a force of habit, that that's, that's what works, that's what they're used to, they like the being able to get everything through the store and so they stop paying attention to anything that isn't in the store uh, if that happens you know then what happens to say a, a company or a product like default folder when they see that they're as might happen in such a case that their sales start plummeting because they're, they're not in the app store and they start saying well you know um, we could wind up getting to a point where from a developer's point of view if their product isn't in the app store either because they didn't want to put it in the app store or they can't put it in the App Store, then it's not making money. Uh, and so essentially, Apple will wind up with a monopoly, so to speak, or a monopoly control, maybe monopoly isn't the right word, but with an exclusive control over the Mac software without really forcing it. You know, the big issue on the iPhone is that you can't get any software on the iPhone that doesn't go through the App Store unless you jailbreak the device. With the Mac, I'm not worried really that that's going to happen. I think the web option will always be there, but it can sort of de facto wind up the same way if if people wind up choosing to focus just on the App Store, and that can mean a lack of software that's useful that will just disappear because it won't be profitable uh, that, that isn't going to be in the App Store. We have Ted Landau. He has the user-friendly view over at Mac Observer at MacObserver.com, and he helps write troubleshooting stuff over at Macworld, and he's been around the Apple universe for a long, long time, and he's feeling tired as a result. For all. He hasn't given up. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number, 1-877-804-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. 
So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HDTV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part? The pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. They all laughed when I told them my body cleansing tonic was tea. But after 10 days, my body feels way more energized, and I've lost nearly 15 pounds. (laughs) They're not laughing now. That's what John from Oklahoma said about Life Change Tea. In the six months of being on the tea, all my digestive problems have cleared up. My energy levels have gone way up, and my constipation problems are no more. And that's what Michelle from California said about Life Change Tea from GetTheTea.com, the amazing all-natural tea that cleanses your body from toxins, chemicals, bacteria, viruses, and molds, while helping to lower high blood pressure, high cholesterol, lower blood sugar levels, and help you lose weight. Life Change Tea has no caffeine and is all natural, all organic. Go to GetTheTea.com today or call 928-308-0408. That's GetTheTea.com or call 928-308-0408. Life Change Tea really changes things. There's a man named Dr. Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor. Both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician, Doc asks... Why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, taking charge of their life, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs leading to side effects. This is clearly a deadly recipe. The good news is Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government and big pharma manipulation of our healthcare system. I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about healthcare and have joined forces to help this tireless crusader spread his message. Visit InfoWarsTeam.com and listen to Dr. Wallach's Deadly Recipes lecture. It makes a lot of sense, and I want you to join our InfoWars team. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. Strength, energy, and endurance are all synonymous with youth. Would you like to feel youthful again? Protein absorption and synthesis are at the foundation of strength, energy, and endurance. Insults to your intestinal lining from drugs, heavy metals, bad diet, and age can inhibit your absorption of amino acids from your protein foods. This causes your body to repair slowly and be prone to injury. By taking a highly digestible protein into your body, you can greatly increase your repair rate and energy level. One World Whey protein powder is more digestible than milk or eggs. One World Whey is the first ever truly unheated whey protein powder from grass-fed cows on the market. Whether you like to exercise, want more energy, want greater strength, or just want to feel better, One World Whey is a must for you to try. To read some amazing testimonies or to get your free report, go to OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com or call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. 
You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We return with Ted Landau, and we're talking about Apple's Mac App Store on the Tech Night Out Live, about the good and the bad and the ugly, maybe the ugly for developers. Now, Apple is excluding stuff that runs background apps that maybe make system adjustments. Are they going to have to be a bit more lenient in the future to allow the apps that can't run today, like a default folder, like a wiretap studio, which lets you capture audio from web-based sources from Skype, etc. Are they going to have to relent? No, is <laughs> my short answer. I, I don't see why they're going to have to. Why should they have to relent? I'm not sure what would force them to. That's a big issue here. Unless, of course, you know, customers clamor for it. I think in the end, if customers say, why can't I buy this app there, that app there? You know, Apple still listens to customers. Yeah, not not a heck of a lot. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the answer to that question will be similar to what Apple's response was when people start talking about, well, why can't I see naked women in, in, in an iPhone app? You know, what's the deal with this ban on pornography? And the response was, well, you can still get pornography on your iPhone. You can just go to the web and go to all those sites in Safari that, that we don't allow apps for. So that's the way you have to do it. If, if, you, if you want that sort of material, we're not going to support it. And I think that will be the same sort of answer that they'll give about these apps. They'll say, oh, you, you, don't, you, don't, you want to get that app that we're not having in the App Store? Well, just quit the App Store app and go to Safari and get it from there. It's still available. I think, though, if developers are hurting, developers are going to be clamoring for Apple. Look, we need to sell this, but you set up a marketplace that's basically killing us. In the end, Apple's going to have to relent. I mean, they relent on using third-party developer tools for the iOS situation for that App Store. Yeah, I think that's a little different. I think there was some real concern there about legal issues and so on. It, you know, if it becomes a question that Apple could possibly get sued over a policy, then you might see, and successfully sued, then you might see some change. But short of that, you know, and Apple is interested in their bottom line, and perhaps rightly so. They're not, in, you know, let's let me make up a scenario. If it turned out that a thousand software companies went out of business as a result of Apple's policies, but Apple had a bigger profit at the end of the year and a bigger market share at the end of the year as a result, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to say, screw those thousand companies. I, I don't think they're going to, you know, I don't, there's not a lot of sentimentality here for, for Sure, no sentimentality, but I think there are ways they could manipulate this to allow for some of these gray area apps to come in. Now, that raises another question, of course, a big brouhaha this week, and Apple sort of half denied it here regarding the report in the New York Times that they had restricted the ability to sell content in iOS apps outside of Apple's iTunes. And so they supposedly refused an app from Sony, for example. A lot happened this week, so let's try to walk through it and make sure we're clear as to exactly what happened. Uh, Sony wanted to put their Sony uh, Reader app in the store so that you would be able to view books purchased for the Sony Reader on your iPhone or or, or iPad in the same way that you can view Kindle books uh, purchased for the Kindle on your iPhone or iPad. And the app was turned down, and Sony claimed that the reason that the app was turned down was because Apple wasn't going to let them uh, have an app unless it uh, unless the books were sold through the in-app purchase system, uh, and and Apple got their thirty percent cut. Uh, that that turned out not to be exactly true. Uh, initially, there was there was people said, well, you know, that's the way it's always been, unless you went out to the web as as Kindle does to make your purchases. Uh, and then the initial thought, initial reaction to that first statement was that Sony got it wrong. They just didn't 
didn't understand the way Apple's uh, App Store worked, uh, and they were claiming that they weren't being allowed to do something that no one's ever been allowed to do. Uh, but in fact, there, there turns out when Apple replied uh, a couple hours later uh, that Apple, the, the, the Apple statement uh, implied that there was a new policy in effect, and it was sort of a conglomeration of, of, of the two extremes. Apple said, yes, you can still have an app that goes to the web to allow you to make a purchase. In other words, if you're in like the Kindle app and you want to buy a new book from within the Kindle app, the Kindle app directs you to the Amazon website to make the purchase, and that's still going to be allowed. But if you are going to do that, you have to give the user the option in addition to going to the web. There has to be an option to make the same book purchase or whatever purchase directly in-app as well, and then allowing Apple to get their 30% cut. So that's new, uh, and that would mean if that if that sort of regulation is going to be enforced across the board, that would mean that Kindle, for example, will have to modify their app so that in-app purchases of books uh, will now be allowed. The, 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 the next sort of reaction to that uh, among people speculating about what it all means is, you know, what will, the, what will somebody like Amazon do? And one thing that, that Amazon could do, aside from just saying, no, we're not going to play this game, which I don't think they will do, is they could actually raise the price of in-app purchases 30% to, accom- to account for the 30% cut that Apple gets. So, so a book that costs $10 if you go to their website will cost $10 plus 30% more if you buy it in-app. Uh, now, if they do that, if they do that, then uh, I think that will um, that that will defeat almost the perp- the intent of Apple allowing the in-app purchase option because I think almost no one with a brain will 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 pay thirty percent more for something that they could get for thirty percent less by going through the old way. And so uh, I really wonder then what Apple would do if that was the policy. Will Apple then say no? You have to charge the same price both in-app and out-app, or we're not going to allow your app in the store and how will they enforce that and uh, I, I think it's uh, I think it's potentially a can of worms that Apple is going to wind up getting in some trouble over at the very least they might lose some potential sources of revenue in a sense because if you block a company that company is not going to give you other stuff where they could earn a profit from yeah um, as of the time of the show they're going to announce uh, a, a, a deal very short very soon uh, regarding subscriptions of newspapers and magazines and I'm wondering if that all plays into this change in policy as well I think it's complicated and I think Apple is still to some degree learning their way that's the reason why for example the App Store has opened up in a few ways and changed direction. And I still think the Mac App Store, in the end, they're going to have to do the same thing. They're going to have to consider opening it up. Now, maybe you don't agree with me. Apple can do what it wants. Sure. But I think in the end, if developers and customers clamor for it and they really see that they're getting a large share of the developer sales of products, they're going to find a way. I mean, it was a story just the other day about whether Microsoft could offer office 2011 in mm-hmm. the app store and they'd have to change the entire installation process it'd have to mm-hmm. be done totally differently to allow for that or apple would be forced to relent and make certain changes to accommodate microsoft once they do that those changes can apply to other products yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens i mean clearly for example uh you you cannot um 
you can when you buy something on the app store it's never uh, the mac app store it's never the case that you're buying an installer which you then run after you've purchased it from the app store the the purchase from the app store does the installation itself and if you can't have your app allow the app store to handle the installation and if it doesn't do it in a way that apple likes then you can't have your uh, software in the mac app store that's the restriction and whether whether all products will eventually toe that line or not remains to be seen well i think the thing we have to see about that is whether or not Apple also allows a privilege escalation as part of its installation process. So, for example, if you download and buy a product, we'll then give you a screen say, okay, now we need a privilege escalation to do something like install a background application or something like that, asking you for its password. Not as seamless, but the Mac OS is more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. Well, partly I think it depends upon what Apple's goal is. One could say, for instance, that the situation as it now is is being enforced because the App Store is currently a 1.0 product. They want to keep things simple. Uh, They don't want to have the hassles of of all the things, the issues that you raise. And sure, maybe a year from now, two years from now, when they when the code is more more mature, when when they can afford to spend more time adding new features, and when they see the pressure that they're getting from third party developers to add those sort of features, and the customers are clamoring for it. When all that happens. uh, these features will be added. It's now, just- there's another point I'd like to bring up when we go to our next segment. First, a reminder. If you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We read every letter we get. And one more thing. We have a forum, too, where you can participate. It's called forum.technightowl.com. Once again, that's forum.technightowl.com. We have Ted Landau. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hey neighbors, Mac security threats come in many forms. Trojan horses and other types of malware try to infect your Mac. Booby-trapped websites try to steal your personal information. And hackers try to get into your Mac over a network. Intego Virus Barrier X6 is much more than just an antivirus program. Virus Barrier X6 protects against all these threats and more. Visit Intego.com. That's I-N-T-E-G-O.com. Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com. You really can lose weight while you're sleeping. Guaranteed. AffinityDiet.com introduces Lose and Snooze and the One Day Diet. Great tasting Lose and Snooze from AffinityDiet.com is the first step in our guaranteed weight loss system. Lose and Snooze will help your body get a deep restorative sleep without the harmful side effects of pharmaceutical drugs. And during deep natural sleep, your body starts to shed unwanted pounds, build lean muscle, and lose inches. Add AffinityDiet.com's One Day Diet wafers and your metabolism keeps going with all the vitamins and minerals you need with no real 
rebound effect. But don't worry, you're never more than 24 hours from your favorite foods. Learn more about Lose and Snooze and the One Day Diet at AffinityDiet.com, spelled A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y, diet.com, or call toll-free, 855-663-3438. That's 855-663-3438. Finally, a diet that succeeds where others have failed from AffinityDiet.com. Go solar for cheap. Want to use solar power but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123cheapsolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123cheapsolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486. Reduce your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123cheapsolar.com. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-877-814-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-877-814-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HDTV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part, the pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-877-814-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-877-814-MY-TV. 1-877-814-MY-TV. Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-877-814-MY-TV. 1-877-814-MY-TV. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have more time to spend with Ted Landau. He has the user-friendly view column over at the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. Writes from Macworld. Has written books in the past on all sorts of things in the Apple universe. Okay. Now, possibly one of the considerations here with the App Store is security. I mean, if you have an app that provides this privilege escalation, installing system files, files in other parts of your hard drive, there is a security issue. Now, when we get to Mac OS X Lion, maybe they'll sandbox all the applications from the App Store, meaning they each have their own custom space and that you don't have the security dangers. Well, well, that gets to what I was saying, yes. Uh, that on the one hand, we could say that maybe these, these features that we're talking about will just come in time as, as, the, as the software gets more mature. The other way of looking at it is that Apple has an interest in keeping things the way they are, regardless of all the other issues that I just raised there before the break. And I would say that there's two reasons that they might want to do that. One is the security reason that you raise. And in, in that regard, 
we have to keep in mind that when something is purchased from the Mac App Store, it, it has an implicit approval, stamp of approval from Apple in a way that it doesn't when you just download it from, from a vendor's web page. And so an Apple needs to be concerned that if a product causes problems, consumers, customers will come back to Apple and say, hey, I bought this program from your App Store and it destroyed my hard drive. I'm holding you responsible. And even though they may legally not be responsible, there's a sense in which you know, Apple is, I think, legitimately concerned that people will com- come back to Apple when those products cause problems that they purchase from the store. And so Apple wants to limit what your products can do to minimize those sort of problems. I think that's one issue. And the other issue, I think, is, and this is a harder one to define uh, and more likely to get me into trouble, is that Please, Apple- getting into it's- trouble is part and parcel of the show. Okay, well... So go I, ahead, please. Right, I never I, heard of you before, so, mm-hmm. Mr. Stranger, so go ahead. Uh, yes, well, I think Apple uh, wants to maintain a, a level of control, as I say, over the, over the software. They, do, they don't like software that modifies their system software and allows you to do things with the system that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. If Apple wanted your, the system software to give you that feature, they would have put it in themselves, I think, as part of the issue. Uh, and they don't like you mucking around with uh, private frameworks or, or, or changing preference uh, file settings in ways that, that, that were hidden and not supposed to be done uh, and, and, and I, what other, other examples and so the sort of software that, that they're banning, banning from the uh, App Store because of the system software modifications that it does I think Apple may always want, want to keep that level of control Maybe it will also help developers figure out different ways of doing things and maybe again mm-hmm. Apple will provide other tools tools in Lion to let them do things they couldn't do right now, but can get away with because there are ways to write to certain system capabilities that make it simpler. Well, it's possible. But we don't know. Mm-hmm. What's your feeling? Do you think it's really going to just take over the entire app industry? It's all going to disappear because of this or become almost an also-ran or irrelevant I don't know. I certainly think it's the direction things are going. Uh, I think the App Store approach is going to become more and more prevalent. I mean, it, it already is the de facto mode on the iPad and the iPhone. And I think, I personally think the iPad is going to have more and more of an influence uh, in the Apple world in the years ahead. Uh, I indirectly mentioned this in my article on Macworld Expo. Uh, I think when you know, again, who knows, maybe two years from now, three years from now, when the iPad can do a lot more than the current version can do when, when they're up to the third or fourth generation iPad. So when we're up to the third or fourth generation uh, of the iPad and, and when they uh, figure out a way to untether the iPad from the Mac so that you no longer need to buy a Mac in order to sync your iPad, when, when those two things happen, uh, I think the iPad is going to become by far the most popular device for people in homes and schools. I, I, I think more and more people will choose the iPad as their only computing device uh, because it will be cheaper than the other alternatives uh, uh, and it will... Uh, and it's again just like we said looking at Macworld Expo iOS devices is where things are headed and I think that trend will be, will then continue and so the extent to which the App Store is the only way that you can buy software on the iPad will then uh, will then to the extent that the iPad then becomes the predominant hardware that people are buying will then just expand the the App Store's influence further some interesting developments which maybe you haven't heard about but I'll mention it There was a report last year that in the last quarter, Samsung sales of the Galaxy Tab, their Mm -hmm. iPad wannabe, were over 2 million. 
and they were already subtracting the market share of the iPad. And that's revealed by Samsung. Well, that was just shipping to the dealers. The actual sell-through to the customer was, quote, quite small. I don't mm-hmm. know what they mean, quite small, 100,000. In other words, they flooded the channel to look good. Mm-hmm. And what that means is here is that so far, no other company has gone anywhere in gaining traction against Apple. And the iPad is everywhere, even if you buy a brand new Hyundai Equus, which is their luxury car to compete with Mercedes and BMW. What do they do? I think Mercedes does this too, by the way, with some of their expensive cars. They give you the user guide on an iPad. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's taking over everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that is the car as the PC being the truck, mm-hmm. as Steve Jobs once said. So do we see now that maybe five years from now, the Mac PCs in general will be also RANs and the iPad and maybe competitors will own the computer market as it was? I think it's certainly possible if Apple handles it well. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that the, that the market share for Galaxy tablets, um, for, for Android-based tops, tablets like the Galaxy, are going to increase in the year ahead. Uh, there, there's, there's virtually nothing on the market right now, as you were pointing out. The, the availability to consumers to go into a store and buy something is very limited. And, and the other point the- to mention, too, is that Google has said that the current operating system of Android is for smartphones, not for tablets. That's coming later, so you're probably going to see no real uptake in those tablets until they have an operating system that really works properly. If they don't have an operating system that really works properly, people will be disappointed. They'll return the devices. They may not even buy them after testing them. All that's true. But when it's all in place, I think the market share for the iPad will drop um, to to some extent. However, uh, again, if if Apple handles it properly, and I uh, think there's a good chance that they will, uh, the market share for the iPad can remain dominant. It could become similar to what happened with the original iPod. You know, the the iPod pretty much squashed competition. The Zoom didn't go anywhere. The uh, attempts by Sony and other manufacturers to compete with the iPod didn't go anywhere significantly the pretty much if you want a straight up mp3 player these days you're getting an ipod or you're getting something that almost nobody wants uh, and i think that apple can can position the ipad so that it winds up in a similar position maybe not quite as dominant as the ipod has turned out to be but almost that much now one of your colleagues john martellero was on our show last week and he has this article over at the mac observer at MacObserver.com, where he suggested that what Apple might do is sell today's iPad for a lower price when they bring the new one out, so Apple covers more of the potential market, maybe three seventy nine I said maybe three forty nine mm-hmm. and this week i 'm also suggesting if Apple does that, they will call the original iPad the iPad classic i don 't think they 're going to call the original iPad the iPad classic. Because that impl- if you look at the iPod market, the difference between the iPod Classic and the other iPods is a substantial difference in hardware. The iPod Classic runs on a small hard drive. The, the other ones run on a flash drive. They're totally different in design. Understood, uh, understood. It's the mm-hmm. traditional, mm-hmm. original iPod. But mm-hmm. then Apple will use what they're doing, for example, with the iPhone. On AT&T, there's a $49 iPhone of previous generation just simply keep selling the previous generation model for much less money 
to give people who can't afford five hundred dollars an option for three or three fifty. Yeah, I think that works better for the iPhone because remember when you buy an iPhone, you're buying into a two-year iPhone contract. You don't see them offering last year's iPod Touch, for instance, for forty-nine dollars, uh, which is more, uh, which would be more analogous uh, to what they would. Not do so much because we're talking about five hundred dollars is a lot of money mm-hmm. still. Yeah, but I think there's room to to sell last year's iPad for less price, but I don't think there's a lot of room for it to be all that attractive. You know, if I, I don't know, some people who have a lot less money, I suppose, than I do, might be induced to buy a last year's model to save fifty dollars or something like that. But personally, uh, if there's a big difference between what you can do with the two models, fifty dollars would not make the, the difference. Between I was which thinking one of one hundred fifty dollars because well, Apple's built so many they could afford mm-hmm. it, or it might be an experiment they might you know keep it in the product lineup and as supplies diminish just stop offering it or heck if there's a big demand for it for people who can't afford the new ipad however good it might be they might continue offering it just as the option the affordability option but it also means as far as apple is concerned you know they're just flooding the market with all price categories which Mm -hmm. is what they do with the ipod we have ted landau and he'll answer that and many more questions in our next segment i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night owl live Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We return one more segment with Ted Landau, the user-friendly view over at the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com, articles on troubleshooting for MacWorld.com. So as I was saying, I was giving the argument in favor of offering the older iPad and the new one, the older one being last year's model, so people who can't afford five hundred can get something for three or three fifty. Yeah, I think something like that is possible. Uh, like I said, but I, I, I'll be surprised. Uh, I, I'm going on the side that they're not going to do that. I, I won't be shocked if they do. But if I had to place my money on a bet, I'd be placing it on the fact that they're not going to do. It. They'll probably have the older iPad, iPad available to you know use up its inventory, but to just keep it as a permanent item in its catalog at a substantially less price than the new one, I'd be surprised if that's what they do. Well, as they say, if they can sell a lot of them, doesn't make a difference. 
I I don't think that's the direction Apple wants to go. I think yes, there's one way, there's one way that Apple would want to do that, and if they were really intent, if they really felt that this would destroy the competition, you know, that that if there was a sense in which the competing tablets were being sold for three hundred and fifty dollars, and this is the way to put the the squash on those competition and and, and have a consumer say, well, I don't need to you know buy the Galaxy or whatever ta- um, competing tablet in order to get something for three hundred and fifty dollars, I can just get last year's iPad for $350, and that'll be even better. Um, if if that turned out to be true, I think, yes, there might be a chance that that would happen, but I, I don't think that's going to be the position that Apple is in. I think those newer tablets will be more competitive with the latest iPad, and people will still, you know, if, if they're going to go in the direction of, of an Android uh, tablet, they will still be inclined to do it regardless of whether Apple is selling last year's model at a cheaper price. And I, I think the way for Apple to get market share is to just have the best damn tablet that you can get at a reasonable price, and that's what I think Apple will do. Well, we'll have to see how that plays out. We'll have to mm. see whether John's speculation comes mm. to four, whether your mm. speculation comes to four. But now, if we're going to look at iPad 2, iPad Pro, whatever we're going to call it, the 2011 iPad, mm. what do you think it's going to offer new, different, changed, whatever? I have no special insight into that. I just know what seems likely and what I read, and, and the two things that, that seem to be almost certain to be the case is one is it's going to have cameras. It's going to have a front-facing camera so it can do FaceTime. I think that's a no-brainer. Uh, I'd be shocked if it didn't have that. There are some reports that say it's also going to have a rear-facing camera. I'm not quite sure what that is good for. It might be good for FaceTime, you know, when you want to show the uh, the room that you're in as well as your, your face and you don't want to have to turn the iPad around. But to actually use the iPad as a camera the way you can use the iPhone, I, I can't picture people holding up an iPad as if it was a as if it was a point and shoot camera and taking snapshots with it. So I'm not sure what a rear facing camera is supposed to be marketed for, but we'll see. Uh, the other thing that is almost certain to be the case is that the resolution of the screen is going to be improved. Uh, the um, some people say there's going to be the equivalent of a retina display on the second generation iPad. Some say it's not going to go quite that far. Uh, but certainly I think it's going to be better than the current iPad. So uh, is that maybe one of the reasons why Apple is spending $3.9 billion on spare parts? Well, I wasn't aware they were spending that much on it, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, that's what Tim Cook said over mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. conference call with the financial mm-hmm. analyst. He uh-huh. said they're spending three point nine billion on components. Now, remember, they've done this in the past. They spent a billion here, a billion there on flash memory. Mm-hmm. Now they're saying, you know, Apple's got all these products where they need to get high resolution mm-hmm. LCDs. And what do you do? Well, you, obviously, if you're going to offer higher resolution on the iPad, it's going to cost more money per mm-hmm. edition. But if you buy, you know, 50 million, you call Samsung or LG 50 million this year, 50 million or 75 million next year, pretty soon you have a pretty large quantity. Maybe they'll go along with it. And maybe that's how they could make a near retina display. Well, it's certainly possible. They they called it correctly, uh, as you're implying, with the flash drives. They made a big investment in flash drives uh, that allowed them to get the flash drives cheaper than virtually any other company could get uh, the same component. And it's allowed them to make all these iPods and iPads and now even MacBook Airs with flash drives in them and a price that I think makes it hard for other companies to compete. And maybe they will do the same sort of thing with the displays. Isn't that the advantage Apple has, the fact Mm -hmm. that they've become so big that they have this 
you know, this ability to basically corner the market with spare parts so other companies can't compete, even if they wanted to, even if they had the creativity to build a good alternative. It certainly is an advantage Apple has. I think it will become less of an advantage over time as the price in general of those products drop. But by that time, Apple may have sewn up so much of the market that it won't matter. At least I'm sure that's what Apple is hoping. Well, we're going to have to definitely watch this and see how Apple manages to make this work, to make this entire scheme work. So, okay, we have the camera, possibly a rear-facing camera. We have possibly a higher-resolution display, which would, if you double the resolution four times as many pixels and hold it at normal distance, that would be sufficient to give you a retina-like display. Also, make it lighter. What do you think? Lighter would be good. I'm not sure how much lighter they can make it, but uh, for for using it as an ebook reader, for instance, uh, lighter would certainly be better. Uh, there, there, when I try to hold up the iPad with one hand for any length of time, it does get tiresome. But that may just be a compromise that you have to make. You know, they're not trying to become a, a Kindle. Uh, they, the goal, the Kindle can do far less than an iPad. You, when you decide to invest in an iPad instead of a Kindle, you're saying, okay, I'm willing to accept certain compromises, sacrifices, whatever that I would get from the Kindle in order to have a device that can do a hundred million more things than the Kindle can do. And uh, whether you want to make that trade off or not is up is up to the purchaser. It's certainly one that I've made. Well, that is another reason for Apple to want to improve the screen, to lighten the unit, to improve the experience, so you would have less and less incentive to buy a Kindle as a second device. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the buying a second device thing is big for me. Uh, one of the neat things for me about the iPhone, uh, and to a less, somewhat lesser extent the iPad, is that it, it keeps eliminating the reason to get another piece of hardware. You know, there was a time when... I might have bought a Garmin to have as a portable GPS device. Absolutely not anymore. Uh, now I use Navidon on the iPhone, and that's more than good enough for me when, when I needed a GPS device. Uh, and there was a time when I might have considered getting a Kindle, uh, and I'm not. Not because I, I, when, I, when I play with the Kindles that some of my friends have, it's clear that it's better as a book-reading device than the iPad. But the question is, do I really want to carry around a Kindle? Kindle and an iPad or an iPhone. I actually have sometimes read books on my iPhone using the Kindle app, and when, when I'm in, you know when I'm in something like a, a, the classic doctor's waiting office, I find that that's more than good enough. Uh, so do I do, do I really want to wind up having three, four, five, six, whatever separate devices that I want to carry around uh, in order to do all those things, or am I willing to say you know the iPhone may not be the best? device for any one of those things, but it's the best device to have for all those things because it's the only device that I then need, and that's the decision I usually come down on. And that's one of the reasons, for example, Mm -hmm. that I don't use my MacBook Pro as much as I used to. I go to sleep at night, I stick my iPhone on the night table, Mm -hmm. I keep track of email. I mean, sometimes I have to do something which is more uncomfortable in writing on the iPhone. You know, a couple of Mm. sentences is fine. I have to write a presentation for an advertiser Mm. or something. Mm. Suddenly, I will go to my regular Mac. Mm -hmm. But for 95% of my email, I can get by with, Mm -hmm. of course, with my iPhone. So that's where you go. Any case, tell us, Ted Landau, what you have coming out in the days to come that we might look forward to. 
Just my usual material. I write a weekly column for the Mac Observer, which you've mentioned, and I will be continuing to do so, covering a variety of technology-related topics, mostly, of course, Apple-related. I write a, as you also indicated, I write a weekly column for Macworld. It's called Bugs and Fixes. It's part of the Mac 911 section of their website, and I occasionally write other troubleshooting-related articles for them as well, and I will be doing that, and those will be the two major things that I am doing. You've got to keep on keeping on. Any more books from you in the future? I am out of the book business. I think it's safe to say I will never publish another book. I kind of feel the same way. I stopped mm. writing books, oh, maybe about five years ago, six years ago, mm. and I don't think I'll ever do it again. Although sometimes I'm asked. Ted Landau, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me. expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with a WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Hey, neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number, 1-877-814-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-877-814-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HD TV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part, the pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-877-814-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? Pull out 
about your major credit or debit card. Call 1-877-814-MY-TV. 1-877-814-MY-TV. Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-877-814-MY-TV. 1-877-814-MY-TV. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists to help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump-outs and repairs, and removes septic system stench, all with a 100% success rate. See what gives BioSafe One Septic Solution the advantage over any other septic product at BioSafeOne.com. That's B-I-O-S-A-F-E-O-N-E.com. BioSafeOne.com. Or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663. That's 1-866-424-6663. BioSafe One, the guaranteed, bio-friendly, money-saving way to clean your septic system. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightall.com slash radio that's technightall.com slash radio or check us out at iTunes we have Dan Frakes from Macworld Magazine he's a senior editor by virtue of his knowledge his experience not because of his old age is that a fair introduction? I think so but I think you're going to have to stop using that at some point because I am getting older here Gee, you got gray hairs? <laughs> a little bit yeah yeah fringes of gray shades of gray well, we were, we were laughing at Macworld Expo last week that when I used to give sessions, people would walk up to me afterwards and say, oh, you're younger than I, than I thought you'd be. But um, I haven't gotten that in a while now. So They don't do that anymore. No, no, no. <laughs> I have a question about the Macworld Expo. Should we be calling it Apple Expo because the iOS, the mobile platform, gets such priority in certain ways? Well, you know, we get questions about World the Magazine website like that sometimes, too. People say, hey, you cover the iOS stuff so much, maybe it should be Apple World. But uh, at this point, I think it's mainly just a branding thing. Uh, Macworld and Macworld Expo have been around for you know so long that they'd have to be a little crazy to actually change the name just for that branding. I, I mean, people know that it's, it's Apple, right? Uh, even though it says Macworld. All right. Now, looking at, first of all, the CES, because it looked like... All we heard during the Consumer Electronics Show, the first part of January, is the Apple announcement of the App Store, where Apple basically trumped most or all the news from the CES. And the following week, okay, we're going to have the Verizon iPhone, again, trump that category. And then after that, of course, this week, the introduction of the Daily, the news corporation publication that will be a daily Mm -hmm. newspaper on the iPad. So is there anything we can come away with from the CES that anybody remembers because Apple basically got all the word and all the publicity? Well, I think we we were a little little biased in that respect and that we are in the Mac industry. So we probably paid attention more to the Mac App Store stuff, but uh, 
And, and the main, you know, mainstream tech media, I guess I'd say, I think they, uh, the CES got a good amount of coverage. There was a focus on the Mac App Store, but uh, there was also a lot of stuff coming out about things at CES. Although, honestly, the big thing at CES this year was tablets. And in that respect, Apple kind of overshadowed everyone there because the big story was, okay, who's going to be able to make something that can compete with the iPad? And uh, there, there was a website, I forgot what the name of it was, but somebody essentially went out and kept track of the, the, the actual number of different tablets that were either announced or displayed at CES. And it was pretty insane. It was over 100 easily. And uh, uh, that kind of dominated the tech coverage even if you weren't watching the Mac App Store stuff. But you wonder, of all those products presented, how many will really be available? I mean, last year, there were a few tablets that were announced Mm -hmm. in anticipation that Apple would enter that arena. Very few were released. The only one now that seems to be out in any quantity is the Samsung Galaxy Tab. And now we're learning, well, they shipped 2 million last quarter. They stuffed the channel, but they sold very few. The sales were, quote, quite small. Well, uh, with the uh, that quote has now been revised. I don't know if you saw the news, but the uh, Samsung uh, CEO said, no, that's, that was lost in translation. I didn't say quite small. I said quite smooth, which then, of course, leaves us wondering, in the context of sales, what does quite smooth mean? Does it mean it's easy to hand them off? To, I, I don't know. But uh, they are contesting that, saying that it wasn't quite small. But, but, but the, I think the larger point remains that that 2 million number was the number of units shipped to retailers and distributors rather than the number that were actually sold to customers. Of course, um, the argument would say, okay, when Apple says they sold so many, are they saying we shipped this many to dealers or we sold the sell-through to end users? What does Apple mean when they have their sales statistics? I believe they usually mean the number of actual units sold. And, and, and also for Apple, we got to remember that Apple's uh, one of their their uh, shining attributes over the last five or six years has been their inventory management and in that they keep relatively little inventory uh, on hand. So most of the product that gets shipped out is pretty almost immediately sold to customers, uh, especially when it comes to the iPhone and the iPad. They can't even keep them in stock at some time. So uh, Apple generally is talking about this is the number of things that customers have actually purchased. That's a big difference. Then also there's the report that Microsoft did the same thing. Stuffed the channel of Windows Phone 7, but the uptake from customers hasn't been very good. What have you heard about it? Well, I think the Windows 7, I I can never remember what the actual name is this week. Is it Windows Phone 7? Yes. Uh, It's so confusing. I mean, iOS we understand. Android we understand. Windows Phone 7. Microsoft can never make it simple. Yeah, it it was originally Windows 7, mobile, and then Windows, yeah, I don't know. So Windows Phone 7. I've heard that it's actually doing better than than a lot of people expected at this point. Um, And users seem to be somewhat happy with it. I I haven't heard the same things about the Galaxy uh, Tab. I I don't know if you saw the news reports lately, or earlier this week, that something like 15 to 16% of them have been returned. That of the ones people are buying, a good chunk of them are being returned because people weren't happy with them. And so I think that, rather than the number sold, is actually the bigger number. Because, I mean, let's face it, right now it's hard for another tablet to come in and do really well in the face of the iPad. If the iPad ever has really good competition, it's going to take some time to ramp up. So I 
I don't think that low numbers right now is necessarily meaningful, but I think it is meaningful that 15 or 16% of people who buy a Galaxy Tab are returning it. And the other thing is the operating system was never certified by Google for a tablet computer. Also, a 7-inch tablet, well, it's only a minor step up from a smartphone. It's not like 9.7 inches on the iPad. So it's a strategic issue there where we're talking about a product that is relatively not much larger. Do people even like it? 15 or 16% return is pretty bad. The reviews were tepid. And apparently this week, Google just demonstrated version 3.0 of the Android software certified for tablets. And it looks to me like it's a Windows desktop. Did you see the pictures? I've seen a few. The the people who have actually used it hands-on said it's a big improvement over uh, the Android 2.1 and 2.2 when it comes to a tablet. I believe the Motorola Zoom, which is all about the same size as an iPad, it's about a 10-inch screen, is going to use that. And so I think that's going to be the first real test for the iPad in terms of competition. Um, yeah, the Galaxy Tab is a little bit of a, it's almost like they tried to make it smaller than an iPad just to be different from the iPad, but who knows? Um, uh, maybe it's a matter of cost, you know, because be. it looks like Apple is able to build these things cheaper because they buy so many of those spare parts. You know, they spent $3.9 billion or are spending that amount to buy right. components. They haven't said which, but the guessing is at least it's going to be LCD displays, of course. Yeah, I mean, Apple right now, they're, they're selling so well that it's sort of a, it's a snowball effect. They are selling lots of stuff, which lets them buy lots of components and corn of the market on uh, components that other vendors need as well. And so right now, they've got a, an incredible advantage from the cost standpoint. And, and they've been doing this now for you know a good maybe five or six years where they said, you know what, we know that we're going to be using lots of flash memory. So let's just go out and spend a billion dollars and get as much as we can. And you know that lets them buy in bulk. It lets them make their stuff cheaper. But it also means that the other companies trying to make competing products are having trouble getting those same components. I'll tell you what, we'll go into more more of that in our next segment. We have Dan Frakes, Mac World Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from some many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You can download a version that is mostly full-featured. Try it out, and if you like it, it's just $34.95 for Graphic Converter from LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-S-O-F-T.com. LemkeSoft.com for my favorite Graphic Converter. It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy Flew Away Elderberry Liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. 
also on super sale. Olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible respirate formula, oregacillin physician strength capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at herbalheater.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at herbalhealer.com. Skip the long lines and high prices at the florist because right now at proflowers.com, you can get two dozen assorted roses with a free glass vase and a free box of chocolates for just $29.99. Just visit proflowers.com. Look for the radio microphone in the upper right corner and enter the secret code 4444. Unlike overpriced flowers at the florist, which sit in the cooler for days, our flowers are sent fresh cut from the fields and are guaranteed to stay fresh and beautiful for at least seven full days. Just visit proflowers.com today to get two dozen assorted roses with a free glass vase and free chocolates for only $29.99. Order now and pick the delivery date you want. It's guaranteed. But hurry, because Valentine's Day is this Monday, and our special offer ends this Friday. The only way to get this amazing deal is to visit proflowers.com. Look for the radio microphone in the upper right corner and enter the secret code 4444. Did you know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops Helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We return. Dan Frakes is the guest, a senior editor for Macworld Magazine. Go to Macworld.com or your favorite newsstand to get a printed copy. We actually do that still, yeah? You do, yeah. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live, and we'll get into the daily in a moment because that's very interesting. It's a new development, but you look at the iPad. It's not the first mover advantage so much as the iPad has become, well, frankly, an icon. Now, think of this here. Fox News Network, cable TV. Obviously, no fan of liberal or middle-of-the-road people. They tend to be a conservative network. Everyone knows that. Yet, I'm watching them, and they're not just talking about the iPad, because obviously they've got this daily newspaper from News Corporation, their parent company, but the fact that the congresswoman who was shot, seriously injured in Tucson, she and her husband were iPad users and depended very much on the iPad for their work. And even now in her recovery, she is using the iPad. She's communicating with it in some fashion or just playing around with it. So suddenly, here's an ad for the iPad. 
They did a 30-minute segment about the Daily, another ad for the iPad. Basically, News Corporation, also billions of dollars to toss into something, is investing all that energy to help Apple pushed the iPad because in the end, they sell subscriptions, Apple sells iPads. How can any other company compete with that? Well, yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to Fox News Corporation, I should say rather than Fox, when it comes to News Corporation, I think the, the bottom line is money. And right now they've invested uh, how many how many tens of millions? I think they said $30 million building this app for the iPad. And so they want the iPad to succeed as much as anybody does because it's going to mean more subscriptions for them. And, you know, whatever you think of Fox's media positions, the more people now that buy iPads and the more people that subscribe to the daily is the more people that can read Fox's, um, you know, News Corp and Fox's uh, uh, publication. So it's, you know, it's a nice circle for them. They, they want the iPad to do as well as anyone. Would save the newspaper industry? You know, I've looked at it a bit. I've played with it. It's I don't know how if it's as revolutionary as the News Corp people would have you believe. Uh, they're definitely taking advantage of the iPad's uh, capabilities more than, say, the New York Times or some of these other uh, newspapers or magazines that are doing iPad apps. Uh, but it's still pretty much the same thing. I, I, I do think they're pricing it a little better than, say, the New York Times. And for 40 bucks, you get an entire, what is it, a year's subscription? The way it works is $0.99 cents per week. Yeah. And they'll bill you regularly. So right. if you have your credit card or PayPal in your iTunes account. Mm-hmm. They bill you 99 cents a week, which is nothing. It's less probably than the cost right. of a single edition of any daily newspaper and 39.99 per year. But you got to right? think that is so cheap that people might buy it just because it's a casual purchase. Right. And if the promise of News Corporation is there that the news coverage will be very much down the middle, fair to both sides, you know, this is going to cause people like the New York Times, the Washington Post to think carefully. We got to get in there. Also, what about the local papers, the local papers being battered and bruised? You know, this is a chance because remember, the daily can do like other iPhone or iPad apps. It gets your location. You give it your location if you want to. Once it does that, it gives you your local weather, it gives you your local sports information, local Ads, supermarkets, interactive supermarket ads, car dealers. You know, you have to think of where this is going. Right. Well, and the, and the other thing that's unique about the Daily that we should point out is that unlike the other publications, which they're essentially taking their existing content and, and repurposing it for the, uh, the iPad, uh, News Corporation went out and said, we're going to start a new publication. It's completely separate from anything else we have. And we're going to hire... Editors, writers, copy editors, journalists, report. You know, we're going to hire a photojournalist, an entire staff that just works for the daily. And they've said that uh, they're going to publish a hundred stories a day. So they're really looking at it as not just an online version of an existing thing. They could have taken the Washington Post, for example, and tried to to make uh, the the daily use that content. Instead, they're saying this is a completely new news magazine, newspaper, news item. And we're going we're gonna to write 100 stories a day with our own staff. So they have to spend a lot of money hiring a yeah. staff. And we know one thing. This is something that is in there for the long haul. Because as I said in one of my columns this week at technightowl.com, Rupert Murdoch and News Corporation, if they believe in something, they'll spend tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. So like it or hate it, the Fox News Network, they lost 
loads of money before it became profitable. The New York Post, which is one of the publications News Corporation has, Rupert Murdoch is spilling, what, $10 million, $20 million a year to keep that thing going. So if they believe in something, it's going to be something they'll spend millions, billions of dollars year after year to make sure it works, almost like Microsoft does, where Microsoft will get onto something, get onto a project or a service they think is going to work, and they'll pour money into it. Sure, yeah, and, and obviously they think that this is the future of, of, of news consumption. So this is, they're, like you said, they're in it for the long haul. They've, they've gone whole hog with this thing, and uh, it sounds like they're going to see it through. They did say that they're going to eventually uh, make it available on other platforms, but for the next year or so at least, maybe two, it's uh, exclusive to the iPad. It may be too late for the other platforms. That's what I'm saying. You basically have turned the iPad into an iconic product. Yeah. It's the first mover status. After all these years, tablets didn't work. The same thing with the iPod. The iPod is the verb for a digital media player. And once they came out with a unique variation on a theme that already existed, it was too late for the rest of the crowd. Yeah, and and I mean, even though the iPod is now starting to fade, it's because Apple has replaced it with other products. But it still has seventy five percent of the market in the U.S. So, uh, uh, and I believe that the uh, the iPad currently has about the same percent of the market in the tab in when it comes to tablets. I think it's a little Except higher. Except if you assume that the original sales figures of the Samsung Galaxy Tab were correct, if mm-hmm. they sold a fraction of those numbers, the real sell through. It's not in the mid-70s. It's back to over 90% sure, dominance. Sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's now move to other things here. So Apple takes over the news. And I'll ask you about Macworld Expo in our next segment. Apple takes over the news. And the next item being, of course, the arrival of the iPhone on Verizon Wireless Network. This week, all the A-level reviewers have had their hands on the Verizon iPhone. So we have David Pogue of the New York Times, an old friend of mine, Walt Mossberg of the Wall Street Journal, of course, a News Corporation newspaper. And they're all coming out with basically the same review, which is that the Verizon iPhone has fewer drop calls. And, you know, there are still limitations. Now, you guys over at Macworld reviewed it. What's your take about this? Is this too much of a story about just having another place to buy the iPhone from? Well, I think you're right. All the reviews have been pretty much the same, including ours, which is that um, on the one hand, most people are finding better call reception and better uh, and, and fewer dropped calls on the Verizon phone. But uh, the AT&T version has much faster data rates. And uh, that's just because AT&T's 3G uh, data network is faster than Verizon's. Um, there are little differences. For example, the fact that uh, on the Verizon phone, like most CDMA phones, you can't actually be on a call and use data at the same time. It suspends data when the call comes. Right, correct, right. And so that's that's a limitation uh, that some people will never run into, other, people's will run in, other people will run into all the time, depending on how they use the phone. Uh, but but for the most part, it's exactly the same phone, just on another network. And that's that's the real story here, is that we've seen over the last six months all these stories about how Android is catching up with, with Apple, with the iPhone, and uh, the iPhone's market share is going down a little bit. Uh, but I think that the, the, the issue underlying all those reports is that 
Now, all through that time, the iPhone was one phone available on one carrier in the U.S., whereas Android was, you know, a slew of phones from every carrier. And so now we finally got the, the iPhone on the two largest carriers in the U.S., uh, and I think now we're going to see, you know, a more of a fair fight, so to speak. Uh, and Speaking I think of fair, and to be fair, we have to be fair to the people who want us to pause. We have Dan Frakes and Mac World Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes... The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective, thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig. E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small, rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I. LeSig is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at LeSig.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig for today's modern smoker. Going solar for cheap is as easy as one, two, three. If you want to go solar but thought the setup costs were too high, now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch our introduction video at 123cheapsolarvideo.com. The video is free, but it won't last long. Save money on electric bills and get off the grid. Go to 123cheapsolarvideo.com right now. Our website again is 123cheapsolarvideo.com. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. 
Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Hour Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We return. Dan Frakes, Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live, talking about the arrival of the iPhone on the Verizon Wireless Network. Now, remember here, when they had the Droid, when they had phones from HTC, Motorola, whatever they were, you saw them in commercials, but you didn't have press conferences to tout their arrival. This is a big thing, but you also have to think, what is AT&T going to do? How are they going to combat this? Because the biggest issue and I'm sure you'll agree with me, is AT&T has network connection problems in some key cities in the U.S., San Francisco, basically New York, other areas where AT&T may have the advantage of faster data speed, and I think probably better sound quality. From what I read, the sound is a little warmer, a little richer, although Verizon, it's more of a digital kind of sound. Regardless of that, AT&T loses big time, anywhere where they can't get a good signal to you. Well, I think you can see what uh, AT&T has already started to do. Uh, as of this week, they've changed their data tethering plans, for example. So now, whereas you used to, for $20 on top of your iPhone's data plan, you would basically get to share the existing data uh, with uh, tethering. Now, for that same $20, you not only get an additional two gigabytes, but that's shared with your original plan. So essentially, you're getting twice as much data and it's shared however you want to use it. Uh, that's a direct response, I think, to the Verizon iPhone's hotspot feature, where for 20 bucks you can share your phone's internet connection with up to five devices over Wi-Fi. So AT&T is already starting to respond on the, on the pricing and plan side. Uh, the company's also said that, frankly, they're going to now start pushing Android phones a lot more. They're saying, okay, now that we're not the only iPhone vendor, we're going to point out that we're also you know, an Android vendor, and we're going to start pushing those phones as well, too, so that we can compete with Verizon on both, on both uh, sides. But the big issue, then, is what is AT&T going to do when the reviews all say the same thing? Although we have the limitations, voice and data, et cetera, et cetera, at least for now, until the next generation network is in there. Okay, what are they going to say when, okay, I love your faster network, the better sound quality, but if I can't get a connection, if I get more drop calls, how does AT&T combat that? Well, I think we're just back to the same place we were before the iPhone came along, where people chose their phone based on or chose their carrier based on their particular area. So for me, 
Uh, I'm not in San Francisco. I'm south about an hour near Apple's headquarters. Uh, for me, AT&T is fabulous down here. In fact, in some places down here, it's better than Verizon. So if it were, if I had to buy a new iPhone right now, I'd probably go with AT&T. Uh, and then, you know, people choose phones based on their the family plans, if they want to share with their families, uh, data rates. Uh, they choose, I mean, it, it's we're just back to f- a fair playing field, I guess you should say, to where uh, six years ago, I could buy a Sony Ericsson phone on either Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile, and I went with whichever was the best carrier for me. So uh, I, I think you're right that in a lot of areas right now, Verizon has better call, uh, call quality, but that's not necessarily the case uh, everywhere. And uh, AT&T is improving. When I was in, at Macworld last week in San Francisco, AT&T's coverage and reliability uh, both in and around the Moscone Center were dramatically better than they were a year ago. So AT&T is changing, you know, improving their network as well. So uh, people were, are going to buy based on you know, who has the best network where they go. Now, of course, there's another equalizing factor. Two things, as a matter of fact. One is the CDMA group is supposed to later this year come up with a technique to allow you to have voice and data simultaneously. I don't know if this would mean you'd have to change the hardware on the iPhone 4 for Verizon or it could be done with a firmware update. That's number one. Number two, the next generation network. LTE, long-term evolution, will allow voice and data. Suddenly, Verizon and AT&T are on an equal footing. That's right. I have read in a couple of places that um, speculation that you could get the simultaneous data and voice on a CDMA phone through a firmware update. So if that's the case, then Verizon iPhone 4 users will, you know, they'll be in good shape. Uh, but I haven't, I, I don't know if that's absolutely going to be the case. But in terms of LTE, you're right. There, at some point, both of these networks are going to be running the same technology, and then they will be on equal footing. Uh, the question is just which vendor is going to get wide coverage sooner. Uh, all of them are already uh, running commercials talking about it, but the truth is right now there are very few places that actually have it. And even if you do, very, very, very few phones support the new technology. Right. right. And, and in fact, I don't know that I expect Apple to add that to the iPhone 5 or whatever they may call it this summer. A lot of people have speculated that, oh, well, this summer Apple's going to release a new iPhone and it will have 4G, you know, LTE. I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Apple has, if you remember the first iPhone, 3G networks were around when the first iPhone was released, but Apple chose to go with a 2G or 2.5G, whichever you want to call it, and the Edge network. And a lot of people criticized them for that, but Apple's position was, look, if we advertise this as a 3G phone, there's like 10 cities that actually have limited 3G coverage. People would be frustrated because they weren't getting their 3G coverage, even in the cities that have it. And the and other so, issue was battery life right, and battery the, life. the chip efficiency, which is another argument that Apple has already said. According to Tim Cook at the Verizon Wireless rollout in New York City, the problem with the chips now mm-hmm. is that they have bugs. They still have inefficiencies, and they're waiting for the chips that will be efficient. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen this summer. I kind of think Apple doesn't want to wait a whole year for that. 
Well, I, I mean, the the point raised about the 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 bugs. Also, the standard hasn't been settled on. I mean, the, there is not an official LTE 4G standard that all the carriers have agreed on. So it's kind of like where Wi-Fi um, 802.11n was a couple of years ago. So there was but, a jumping off point. There was a point there where the manufacturers of network hardware, including Apple and the airport system, they could say, okay, this particular product can be upgraded by firmware. Right, right, the hardware right. has been settled, so even if the technologies vary or improve or change, we'll take care of that. Right. But, but, but back to the bigger issue, is my, I think that the Edge 3G phone was a good example of Apple's way of doing things, which is that we'd rather wait and have everyone be have reliable products that work the way they expect them than to try to be on the cutting edge and and result in user frustration and so that's why i would be very surprised if this summer's new iphone which we all assume is going to happen this summer as usual um would be a 4g lte phone um i i think it's something apple will wait on uh whether that's breaking with their yearly schedule and, and, and doing it later in the year or early next year or just waiting till next summer when everything's been settled and the 4G networks are more widespread. Uh, I think we'll see it later rather than sooner. Well, I guess we can't predict. There's also predictions that the next iPhone, whether or not it has the 4G LTE technology in it, is going to be a world phone, meaning that it will have the CDMA and GSM chips in there. I know Qualcomm makes a combo chip like that. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, the biggest limit, the other big limitation about the Verizon phone right now is that if you go to, say, Europe, uh, you essentially can't use your phone. You you have to to rent a phone or get one of those disposable phones or prepaid phone uh, when you're there because Europe is essentially on a GSM network. With the AT&T phone, you can go over there and uh, buy a prepaid gsm sim card and swap it out and use your existing phone so yeah but if the phone is locked to a specific carrier you can't do that can you well you can you can basically call at&t and say i'm going to europe and i want this phone unlocked uh it's possible to do that with the cd they do it yeah i've heard they do and in fact there's there is a law in the books that was passed a few years back that uh in certain i forgot what exactly the circumstances are but under those circumstances, the carrier has to do it if you request it. So things are a little a little different than they were, you know, five ten years ago. But uh, so if my bigger- son buys an iPhone, and I'm eligible to get an iPhone in his account here in the USA, he's allowed to say to AT and T, they did this with one of his other phones. He had a Motorola Razor, and they unlocked it, no problem. That mm-hmm. he could say, hey, look, I'm going to be living an extended period of time in Spain. I'm not going to buy your plan because I can't afford it. That's going to exceed my monthly salary. Would you unlock the phone for the time I'm away so I could get a local carrier? And then when I come back to America, I just pop in your SIM and I can go back to using it as I do now. Well, I think that the key issue you brought up is that he's not going to pay for the AT&T plan right now. Because when you buy the phone from AT&T for $200 or $300, that's you know, with a two-year contract. So I, I'm guessing that if you went to AT&T and said, look, I'm going to buy this unsubsidized for $700, that they'd probably be more open to uh, unlocking it. Except that if he's part of our family plan. Yeah. It won't make a difference because the only extra expense in our family plan is to pay the $30 for the data contract. 
that's the way it would be anyway. So if we're paying the same amount whether or not the phone is unlocked. It shouldn't make a difference. I don't know if we can try that. We'll have to see. We have yeah, Dan Frakes of Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. One more segment, Dan Frakes, Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We started off, of course, talking about Consumer Electronics Show, how Apple kind of took away some of the luster because of their various announcements about the App Store and also about the Verizon wireless arrival of the iPhone. And we've talked a little bit about what the next iPhone might include in terms of networking. So let's move beyond that. Last segment, the other event that Dan Frakes attended was Macworld Expo. So how does the post-Apple Macworld Expo survive? Yeah, it did pretty well this year. Uh, There were more vendors than last year, which was the first year Apple didn't attend. By about 30 or 40, I believe, uh, they had more square feet on the show floor by I forgot how many thousand square feet additional compared to last year. And uh, it was a much different vibe this year. Last year, the vibe was Apple's not here. Are we going to, is it going to survive? What's going to happen next year? And everybody was sort of in a wait and see mode. And this year, everyone had pretty much accepted the fact that Apple wasn't going to be there. And this is just the way it is. This is the show now. And people were much more positive. Uh, and, you know, both last year and this year, the vendors who did attend said they had a great show. Uh, they said that people were engaged. People were, were coming up to them, very interested in products, interested in becoming customers of their products. And we talked uh, last week at the end of the show, we had a Macworld uh, discussion uh, on stage about this, where the show is very different for the vendors because it used to be that the most of the people who came to Macworld came to see the big Apple booth, and they came to see maybe the Steve Jobs keynote. And so whatever they saw beyond that was sort of like gravy. You know, it was it was the other vendors were, were picking people up out of Apple's wake. Whereas without Apple there, everyone who comes is there to see the other vendors. They, they know Apple's not going to be there. So in that respect, a lot of the vendors like the, just for lack of a better term, the quality of attendees for them uh, more now than when Apple was there. So it's not to play second fiddle. Right. So it's not all bad. There are, it's definitely not as big. There aren't as many vendors. Uh, There isn't, they have a huge Apple booth, the Adobe booth, the Microsoft booth. Uh, But, but um, as, as my boss, Jason Snell said last week, 
you know, if you compare it to the glory days of Macworld Expo, you're going to come away wanting. But if instead you look at it and say, you know what, Apple's got a huge ecosystem of computers, iPads, iPhones, iPods, and there's a market around that with all kinds of neat products. And I'd like to be able to go someplace and put my hands on those products in person. Then the expo actually is, a, is still a pretty good event. And, of course, that's not even talking about all the classes and sessions and conference um, opportunities that are there. Well, that's the thing, too, the educational factor. Right. That people can go there and they get seminars. I heard from one of our other guests just last week, John Martellero from the Mac Observer, IT professionals getting together, talking shop, going to special seminars to learn their craft. Right. There's more of a focus on everybody but Apple. Yeah, definitely. And the the... The classes are actually really impressive. If you if you take a step back and look at the, the there's a user conference track, there's a pro track, there's an IT track. If you look at the people actually teaching those classes, uh, you're talking about some of the premier voices in the Mac community who are there giving you a class on their specialty, and it's really unparalleled on the in, on the, in the Mac community. Uh, in terms of a place where you can go and learn about these topics from the people who are really the most qualified to talk about them. Well, the other thing is here about the attendance of the major hardware software companies. Last year we had Microsoft. This year we don't because Microsoft already introduced their product. Adobe wasn't there. No Quark Incorporated. Even in terms of hardware makers, we have people who have accessories but not the really major hardware people. I think there was one printer maker, as a matter of fact. Well, HP was there showing their AirPlay, or excuse me, AirPrint uh, enabled printers. So they were there specifically because they've got printers no one else had. So that was an incentive. But if it's just the same printer with a slightly different brand name or model number, it wasn't worth them spending that investment. So again, the focus comes on the medium-sized software companies and the smaller ones where suddenly they get a chance to shine because the big guns, the ones who can afford the huge exhibits and all the presentations and the models and the pomp and circumstance, they are not around. Right. And I think part of this is still a little bit left over from last year and that a lot of vendors kind of pulled out and said, you know what, until we're sure this is going to be successful, we're not going to spend the money to exhibit. Uh, And when you come to talk about companies like even on the audio side, Logitech, Altec, Lansing, that uh, normally used to be staples of Macworld Expo, their stuff is at Best Buy. It's in Apple stores. It's at every big box retailer. And so there's not as much incentive for them to to spend a lot of money to come be in front of Mac users when they're already in front of Mac users everywhere else. And, and so what you said is right, that this is really a chance for companies that aren't there. So specialty audio, so accessories for the the, uh, the iPod or the iPhone or for the Mac that normally people wouldn't be able to see in person. And so in that respect, it's a very unique opportunity from the, for the attendees because they might see something on the web, but they can't really get their hands on it. And at the Expo, it's their chance. So what's the agenda for next year at the Expo? More of the same? Do you think they have the formula down pat to keep this event going year after year? Well, we'll we'll see. I, I think uh, they've uh, they're still waiting on the numbers, but it sounds like attendance was up, and so the challenge for Macworld Expo is just going to be, can we make this keep this profitable? Because uh, you know Macworld Expo is run by the same company as Macworld. We're separate companies within the company. If, if you, separate if you but equal. <laughs> yeah. So so they actually are independent from us, but we're both we both are run by the same overall company, and it's a company. It wants to make money, and so I think as long as the Expo 
can remain profitable and can remain financially feasible, then they're going to keep doing it. And Mac users are still going to have this every year. Um, as long as people keep coming, I think that's going to be the case. The, the general manager of the Macworld Expo has said, told us that uh, they've already got really good response from vendors who are re-signing up for next year. Uh, and so the pre-registration for Boost is, is going well. So, um, you know, unless something happens that bigger than Apple pulling out, I, I think it's going to be around for a while. Well, that's the big issue there, bigger than Apple pulling out. And right now, what could that be? Right. Uh, and I think that the the uh, the reports are, have been pretty much positive from, from media and from attendees. And that's really what the expo needs right now is they need for uh, for to get good feedback. They need for people who are there to tell their friends and say, you know what, Apple wasn't there, but it was great. I, I got to, to learn a lot of stuff. There were some great, uh, you know, stage things there, uh, some presentations on the main stage. There were some a lot of vendors that I'd never seen before or that I couldn't see in person. And so I, I had a great time. And if they do that and their friends come next year, you know, it's, it's who knows, it could end up growing even faster than it is now. Uh, but as long as, as long as, as, as it offers things you can't get elsewhere, I think it'll do fine. And certainly there's no incentive, regardless, for Apple to ever return because they're getting so much publicity right. by virtue of their own announcements. All they have to do is say, hey, come here, press. And a week later, everybody in the media is there, not just the tech media, but the mainstream media. Right. Well, in addition, they also got 400 Apple stores around the world. So... They don't need a, a showcase event where they can come and get people the opportunities to get their hands on their products anymore. Nowadays, they announce a product a few days later. It's available in 400 places around the world, generally within uh, in the, here in the U.S., within a couple miles of anyone or a couple hours of anyone. So uh, they just they just don't need the, the, the expo anymore. And so I can understand their reasons for not being there. It's funny. I live about four minutes from an Apple store, about 10 minutes from a Best Buy store and an independent Apple reseller. So no matter what I do, there's no way I can stop or avoid getting an area where I can buy an Apple product. Hey, Dan Frakes, what do you have coming up in Macworld? Oh, we're, we are doing um, sort of our post-Macworld coverage right now. Of course, we've got the, the, uh, the iPhone for Verizon. There's a, I'm sure, as you've heard, there's probably going to be some new iPad things coming out. Um, we're going to be uh, looking at iPad keyboards, which is a big in-demand topic. Uh, and so those are some of the, the biggest things coming up. And that's Macworld.com. Or go to the newsstand. Remember, printed magazines are not obsolete. And I see that Macworld has fattened, meaning they have more advertisers, meaning I guess their circulation must be up. And it also means more companies want to advertise in a Macintosh magazine. Dan Frakes, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me, Gene. complain about your cable bill going up and up and up do something about it grab a pencil and jot down this special number 1-877-804-MY-TV the more cable tv rates go up the better digital satellite tv looks 
So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HDTV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part? The pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. Extend your life with Hi, I'm Don Wiskin, and have you ever wondered what the garlic cayenne drops could do for you? February is Heart Month, and we want you to find out just what can happen when you take the right combination of herbs designed to maintain our cardiovascular health. Purchase a four-month supply of Extendivite drops or capsules, plus get a bonus month supply of capsules for only $125 plus shipping. That's five months' worth of Extendivite for $25 per month. This is a Heart Month special to help get you started on your path to better health and ends February 28th. So don't be left out. Find out what Extendivite can do for you. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. I'm Roger Rao at Midas Resources. If you are going through a financial roller coaster because of your investment in stocks, bonds, and other paper assets, perhaps you're ready for a change. You have an opportunity to change your financial security. Get the stability and peace of mind you deserve by investing in precious metals. Gold and silver have been a form of wealth protection for over 5,000 years all over the world. If you have seen your hard-earned money lose value because of inflation, sliding dollar, etc., it's time you stop the bleeding. The answer to your problems is simple. Gold and silver will protect your assets and your purchasing power. Physical possession of precious metals, IRA rollover, etc. Call me, Roger Rao, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. Take action today when we are still accepting paper dollars for gold and silver. Ready for a change? Call Roger Rao at 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. Again, it's 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. Skip the long lines and high prices at the florist because right now at ProFlowers.com, you can get two dozen assorted roses with a free glass vase and a free box of chocolates for just $29.99. Just visit ProFlowers.com, look for the radio microphone in the upper right corner, and enter the secret code 4444. Unlike overpriced flowers at the florist, which sit in the cooler for days, our flowers are sent fresh cut from the fields and are guaranteed to stay fresh and beautiful for at least seven full days. Just visit ProFlowers.com today to get two dozen assorted roses with a free glass vase and free chocolates for only $29.99. Order now and pick the delivery date you want. It's guaranteed. But hurry, because Valentine's Day is this Monday, and our special offer ends this Friday. The only way to get this amazing deal is to visit ProFlowers.com. Look for the radio microphone in the upper right corner and enter the secret code 4444. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightall.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightall.com. Peter Cohen, he's part of a radio show called The Angry Mac Bastards, also writes for The Loop at loopinsight.com. A friend, of course, of our other regular guest, Jim Dalrymple. Now, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And, of course, the numeral uno story this week is the initial sale that Verizon's making to their customers of the iPhone on their network and all the early reviews from we call the Type A columnist. David Pogue of the New York Times, of course, the Wall Street Journal, Walt Mossberg, people like that. CNET has had it. And there's also a review in Macworld magazine coming out from Jason Snell. Are we making too much of this that's just, you know, another dealer for Apple? No, because it's a different phone. I mean, it's not just another, the, the same old phone that, that everybody's been seeing. The, the Verizon iPhone is distinctly different in that it works on Verizon's network, which uses a different networking technology um, than AT&T. So, uh, you know, the interest is valid, and there's been a lot of pent-up demand from consumers uh, for this device. So I think that uh, interest in it is well warranted under the circumstances. Now, if I was, for example... HTC, an executive for HTC, an executive for Samsung or Motorola. Should I be quaking in my boots over this? I'd definitely be concerned, yeah. Yeah, I think that this is going to, I think the iPhone is going to eat a lot of vendors' lunches. It's interesting because every one of those companies, nobody had a special press conference for a droid. Well, that's just it. I, you know, there's the, because nobody cares. You know, it's funny, if, if I mention iPhone or iPad, or Mac or Apple at all in my Twitter feed, I'm immediately assaulted by five or six or eight or ten um, uh, bots spamming me. Here, when you're, you know, to apply here for your chance to win a free iPad. Uh, you know, I just got a free iPhone. It's great. If I say anything about droids, the bots couldn't care less. Why? Why? It's because people are interested in Apple products. People don't give a crap about droid. Perhaps they bought Droid because there was no alternative. They had to have Verizon. They had existing contracts. They live in places where the reception, the signal quality for AT&T is really bad. So they bought what was available. Well, exactly. You know, I think people have been making do with 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 Droid phones, but um, there are a lot of people who have made do with Droid phones who would much prefer to have an iPhone. Well, now it's going to play out. We're going to see what's going to happen. Of course, Verizon is saying to their employees, please wait for the paying customers to get one before you buy one at your employee discount. And understandably, you know, paying could be, you know, customers after all are paying those people's salaries. They should step back and and let the people who. Uh, let the customer actually uh, uh, dictate demand here. And we'll have to see how it plays out. But already the reviews are in. The first reviews say, of course, that, and they were mostly done in places where AT&T has problems with the signal. They say, hey, you see, fewer drop calls. But, you know, the other thing I see, which is part and parcel of the experience with Verizon, I'll confirm this. The audio quality is different. You get kind of a warmer sound, more natural sound with AT&T. On Verizon, you have kind of a crisper, slightly crisper, but more digital sounding voice. Have you noticed that? 
Well, it's been a while since I've had a Verizon phone, and it wasn't an iPhone, so I couldn't compare directly. You know, the, the amazing thing about the Verizon iPhone is that you can actually make a call on it, which is more than you can say for the AT&T phone sometimes. Well, that says it all. It doesn't matter if the sound quality may not be quite as good. And I'm not just saying this for the iPhone, ladies and gentlemen. I know that I have relatives who have Verizon wireless accounts, and I will always notice a more digital sound with them. Hmm. Interesting. It's the question of digital versus analog? No, because both of them are digital formats. Yes, we are, but I'm talking about the end result. You know, there is an analog quality to the AT&T sound, and maybe it's just GSM in general, whereas it's a more digital sound with Verizon Wireless. Yes, they are both digital. It's the way they process the human voice. Well, yeah, it's the way that they process for, for sure. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm not sure what, what Verizon's doing to, to, the, the, that would make a difference, but I'll, I'll go with what you're saying, Gene, for sure. There is, by the way, an audio clip that you can hear on CNET's site where you can compare it for yourself. And they say the same thing that I've personally observed in my very anecdotal testing. But okay, the other big story this week is The Daily from News Corporation, Rupert Murdoch. And it's going to premiere on the iPad. First, I guess it's going to be a Verizon version and then available to everyone else in terms of sponsorships. Verizon sponsoring the first two weeks and you have to subscribe to it. So is that the end of the daily newspaper, the salvation of the daily newspaper? Where do you put it? I was at the event this week and... um uh, you know, it, it, it was an interesting role. I, I don't think it's the end of the daily newspaper at all, but um, it's clear from um, the, 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 the information that Rupert Murdoch and the staff of, of the daily were imparting yesterday that they're taking a very different uh, perspective on this than um, other uh, News Corp publications have taken to getting information um, on the web or on tablet devices, um, and for that matter, that, that most other um, organizations have as well. And that, that's really the, the key thing here. Murdoch said um, this week that he's invested already $30 million in getting the daily off the ground. So clearly, um, he's in this for the long haul. Clearly, he sees a real business here. We should say for Murdoch, that's a pittance. Yeah, well, it's a rounding error for him, for sure. But still, $30 million is serious money, and it's money that you have to account for any way you slice it. So, um, uh, you know, it's, it's nothing to sneeze at. But $30 million is certainly enough to get the daily off the ground. And what makes it so different than another News Corp um, publication that you can get on the iPad, for example, the Wall Street Journal, is that the Wall Street Journal is, is still primarily a newspaper workflow, right? They're, they have a physical product that they're trying to get out every day. And the iPad is is yet another distribution mechanism for them, but it's not the primary distribution mechanism. This is where the daily is turning it on its head. There are no printing presses. There are no um, trucks delivering the newspaper. Um, there, there's there's none of that stuff. This stuff is going out to the iPad. In some cases, updated a couple of times a day uh, with new content, and the format is very different. It's very fresh. It feels much more like reading a magazine um, than it does uh, reading a newspaper. So you're right, Gene. The first two weeks are free courtesy of Verizon. People can subscribe for $40 a year. That works out to be about $0.14 cents a day. So for a daily newspaper, uh, it's pretty cheap. As far as the quality is concerned, quality of the content is, I would say, 
you know, comparable right now to what USA Today is doing. Nothing extraordinarily compelling. You know, I think that over time they'll find their voice, they'll find their niche, their real interests, and they'll take it from there. Um, but, uh, you know, I was reasonably impressed with the first day. The second day seemed to be a little bit better. We'll see how they go over time. I would hope politically neutral. None of the bias that people allege you see on certain Rupert Murdoch properties. Well, I, I think um, you know that that may be um, uh, that, that that may be hoping for something that's not going to happen. I mean, you know, Murdoch properties have you know uh, see, seem to carry with them a, a pretty conservative uh, agenda. So we'll we'll see. So far, it, it doesn't seem too bad, but we're only two days into it, too. If he's looking for a mass audience to build this initial audience before every other major newspaper gives it a try, it may be important. Peter Cohen joins us on the Tech Night Out Live. I'm Gene Steinberg. We're back in a moment. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from some many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you can download a version that is mostly full featured try it out and if you like it it's just 34.95 for graphic converter from lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e-s-o-f-t.com lemkesoft.com for my favorite graphic converter What bothers you most about menopause? Is it the hot flashes? Waking up at night drenched in sweat? How about the mood swings or putting on weight? Tens of thousands of women have turned to Amberin to get relief from their menopause symptoms. Will Amberin work for you too? The only way to find out is to give it a try. That's why we're giving every woman who calls today a complimentary risk-free trial of Amberin with a 30-day supply free. Amberin is all natural, and its safety and effectiveness is backed by published clinical studies. Do you want a life without hot flashes, night sweats, or mood swings? Want to lose weight, sleep great, and have more energy? We've made trying Amberin completely risk-free, and you get a 30-day supply free. All you have to do is make the call. To claim your complimentary risk-free trial of Amberin, visit GetAmberin.com or call 1-800-647-9277. That's 1-800-647-9277. 1-800-647-9277. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up do something about it grab a pencil and jot down this special number 1-877-814-MY-TV the more cable tv rates go up the better digital satellite tv looks so disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100 digital quality for less money call 1-877-814-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms and there's no equipment to buy that includes your free hd 
DTV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part, the pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-877-814-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-877-814-MY-TV. 1-877-814-MY-TV. Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-877-814-MY-TV. 1-877-814-MY-TV. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy to use 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists who help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump outs and repairs and remove septic system stench all with a 100% success rate see what gives biosafe one septic solution the advantage over any other septic product at biosafe1.com that's b i o s a f e o n e.com biosafe1.com or call toll free 1-866-424-6663 that's 1-866-424-6663 biosafe one the guaranteed bio-friendly money-saving way to clean your septic system The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We return. Peter Cohen on the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. Peter is one of the co-hosts of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show, and also he writes for The Loop at loopinsight.com. We were talking about The Daily. Now, if I'm the publisher of The New York Times, I'm the publisher of The Washington Post, I got to think, you know, The Daily, or maybe even USA Today, worse USA Today, because this is a national paper. You know, I got to think, I'm hurting. I better rush and put some money into something and try to get on the iPad, too. Well, you know, these these publishers are on the iPad one way or the other. I mean, USA Today has been there almost since day one, for example. Yes, but not in a unique version. It's just an iPad version of the existing printed content. This it's is not true. a subscription project because the first in-app subscription happens to be the daily. Up till now, you know, if you wanted to buy a magazine, you could buy a magazine, but every item was an a la carte app. It wasn't one app that is updated with new content for which you subscribe. True, true. Um, you know that there, there, there are a couple of different ways that publishers have, attro- have approached this. One method is Zenio, for example, which is a, a, a monolithic app that provides you with access to a number of different magazines. Uh, I say Car and Driver, for example. That's that's how I subscribe to Car and Driver. Um, and it's basically a, you know a digital copy of the magazine, not nearly as integrated or sophisticated as the daily is um, as an application. But um, the daily really gives you an idea of one way it can be done, which is to, the app provides you with a framework to access all this content. And this content is rich media content. You know, it's panoramic 360-degree photos. It's um, slideshows. It's interactive bits. Um uh, letting you show what the weather, letting you see what the weather is over a twelve-hour period. It's sports info, customized for the teams and uh, the particular pro sports or college sports that you care about. Now, um, I understand it's going to ask your location, and the key to get your local content is to let it find your location. 
Right, exactly. You can opt out of that. You don't need to give it your location, but if you do, then it will customize that content accordingly. Exactly. I assume then you get targeted ads. I wonder how they're going to handle coupons for supermarkets. Yeah, I would love to see. I would love to be able to eradicate my Sunday Boston Globe delivery and and just use uh, electronic coupons instead. You mean you wouldn't miss the morning fish wrapper? I sure would not. No, none at all. I wouldn't miss having to haul that piece of crap to the uh, recycling facility once a week. Especially when it's 10 below. Yeah, especially when it's 10 below. Okay, so you see this as being an attempted revolution. I, I see this as an, as an incremental step towards... Um, you know the next logical um, evolution of uh, of of print journalism for sure. You know the the interesting thing the way the way that Murdoch has described this is that you know he he really wants to underscore the importance of having an editor an editor working on this content. You know one of the big problems with getting information off the web is you don't know how it's curated. You don't necessarily know how accurate the source of the information is, how well vetted the writers are, how uh, well proofed the copy is that you're reading. So in terms of accuracy, you're really kind of taking a crapshoot. I think the Daily is trying to apply some level of journalistic respectability um, to um, the, the availability of online content. And in that respect, I applaud them greatly. So it's not just somebody aggregating content. It is an editorial staff that is focused strictly on an online publication available as an app on a tablet computer. And the other question is here, when you consider what's happened here and the fact that basically News Corporation is giving millions and millions of dollars of free publicity to Apple, how will the competitors catch up? Yeah, exactly. I don't think too many competitors will be able to meet, do Me Too announcements that are going to catch any traction. News Corp definitely caught lightning in a bottle on this one. That is, of course, it's even on Fox News. If you go to Fox News, whether you care about Fox News or their approach or not, you know what? They are spending a lot of time pushing the daily. Yeah, well, big surprise there. Since Fox News, of course, is a News Corp business. It makes sense for the cross-promotion. Right. So it doesn't matter what your political beliefs are. So therefore, if you say, well, therefore, the New York Times is a left-wing variation of, say, the Wall Street Journal, then the New York Times gets on there, too. And then it really spreads. But I just wonder whether after an initial flurry of subscriptions, it'll die down. That happened with the sale of magazines and such. You know, you buy a la carte magazines, seem to do well the first few issues and die down. Do you think this new technique will sustain itself? I think it's got possibilities. Um, you know, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, as the expression goes. So whether or not it does or doesn't is going to depend on the quality of the product. And that's going to be an ongoing thing. The technology is certainly there. The technology is ready. Um, I think the user base um, is energized and ready for a product like this. The question is whether or not the content is going to be compelling enough uh, to have people click on the subscription button once the free run is done. And remember, too, you don't have to buy it for a full year. You can buy it weekly, 99 cents a week. Just have it taken out of your credit card or PayPal account. And that's an area where and the Android system, they don't have a comparable way of billing. I think right now it uses Google Checkout, right? So with the Android OS, to do application purchasing there, as of now, you don't have some kind of central repository like an iTunes where you add your credit card or your PayPal account. You have to use, what, Google Checkout for that? Yeah. 
And that's a shortcoming that I think Google is trying to overcome because that really kills sales. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Google wants uh, Google just like Apple wants to own everything, and Google Checkout is their answer. The problem isn't isn't nearly as 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 um, uh, utilized or trusted by consumers as um, you know an Apple ID is. I think. And Apple has, I think, what this number of credit cards like one hundred fifty million, some absurd amount like that. Yeah. So that's what makes it very very different. But looking at the iPad, okay, let's look at the long haul here with the iPad iPad 2, getting closer and closer. We're kind of expecting, what, March, April delivery right now? Is that what you hear? Uh, that's, yeah, I mean, that's as good a guess as any, sure. Okay, so assuming we're seeing a new iPad, do you think they're going to manage to get a higher resolution screen? Is that possible or affordable for Apple? I, I don't even see what the point is. You know, I mean... Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm missing the forest of the trees, but you know, I've heard about Retina, uh, a Retina display on the iPad. I, I don't think that that's going to happen. I think also remember with an iPad, it's not as close to your eyes as the iPhone. It's going to be held what you know a foot away or something like that. The other thing is they could do, I guess, is reduce the reflections yeah, with a proper coating. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm more interested in seeing them improve battery life on the iPad, for example, or making it a little bit slimmer, making it a little bit lighter and uh, and easier to carry than it is right now, because it, it weighs you down after a while. That's a big issue. I mean, you have a lot of accessories that help. I mean, there's one where you can kind of clamp this case onto the iPad and hold it with your hand like a fist around this clamp or holder to be able to read it. That's awkward. All this stuff is awkward. But if Apple can shave three, four, five ounces off that thing, that could make a big difference. Anything helps. Exactly. We're talking about 1.5 pounds for the regular iPad, 1.6 pounds. It's still, of course, selling as many as Apple can distribute. I guess we'll also, we've heard talk of dual-core processors, much more powerful graphics chips, that kind of thing. These things are more and more closer to a traditional PC in terms of their raw horsepower, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if, if, you, if you brought the iPad back in a time machine just 10 years ago, people would think that you were, you know, some sort of magician. Well, you think, for example, the first Power Mac G4 is the equivalent of a supercomputer on your desktop. 400 megahertz. And, of course, the first iPad was a gigahertz. <laughs> and the hard drives then weren't much bigger than the solid-state storage you get now. Screen display, the, the, the same resolution as, uh, you know, a PC was a few years ago, too, as well. Don't forget, we want to hear from you. Write to us, news at com. Once again, that's news at com. We guarantee we read every letter we get. We have Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show, and, of course, The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Hey, neighbors. Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac. Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows. And Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. <laughs> 
You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy flew away elderberry liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible respirate formula, oregacillin physician strength capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at herbalheater.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at herbalhealer.com. This special announcement is brought to you by Renaissance Charge. Have you ever wondered if you could make your car run on 100% electric power for free? It is now possible. How about a simple device that is both a super efficient motor and a free energy generator at the same time? What if this could also be used to restore useless batteries and save you lots of money? Because our customers asked for it, we have organized the Renaissance Charge Conference Workshop on July 29th to July 31st at the beautiful Coeur d'Alene Resort in Idaho. Not only will you see these fascinating energizers, but you will be able to build some alongside genius inventor John Bedini. Participate in this truly historic event featuring our cutting-edge alternative energy, Tesla technology. Register early for the best seats and advanced workshop by visiting rcharge.com. That's r-charge.com for details. Or call 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Did you know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You are listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We return. Peter Cohen. And we've been talking about the iPad expectations for iPad 2. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're on the Tech Night Out Live. Before we go on, a given... 
at least a front-facing camera, obviously. Yeah, I think that that's a, a for sure thing. I mean, you know, if for no other reason, and I hate to say me too, but me too, you know, the, the Google Android uh, base pads that are coming out already have front facing and in some cases rear facing cameras. So that, that, that has to be something that the next iPad will see. Oh, yes. More and more complicated what Apple is doing, more interesting products. Let's take a little bit of a detour. There's a story out this week. And, of course, we know that Google is competing with Microsoft, Microsoft being their search engine. So it's search engine versus search engine. And there's an accusation now, correct me if I'm wrong, that Bing is allegedly stealing the search results from Google. How do you do that? Yeah, this is a real interesting thing that's just come up um, in the last uh, uh, in the last couple of days. And the bottom line is that... Um, uh, that um, that the Google is accusing Bing of poaching its uh, its its uh, its search results. Um, Google has has posted in in a blog details, uh, including uh, pictures, uh, timeline, the whole uh, the, the whole nine yards um, to show that that. Bing is poaching its own search results. And the way that it did this is by creating uh, what, what Google employees are calling synthetic queries, uh, things that would never show up in a normal search. Um, and then within a couple of weeks, apparently the same search query on Bing brought up the faked results that Google had fed it, implying that Bing is, is poaching Google's um, uh, search results for to, to, to get its own uh, uh, people looking looking through through Bing. So, uh, very very ugly story if it's true. Uh, and and gee, Microsoft being accused of intellectual uh, property theft. <laughs> Quel surprise. Well, remember too that Google has been accused of basically stealing ideas, and they're facing a lawsuit from Oracle over the technologies underlying technologies of the Android OS. That's so right. Yeah. I mean, if you look at everything, even search, of course, Google was not the first with basically a global search engine. Maybe they do it better than other people have up till now. But has Google really built unique products that nobody had before? Well, that, and that's that's the, the, the seed of doubt that Microsoft is trying to plant in people's minds, too. The they're, pot they're calling the kettle black. Well, exactly. Microsoft is basically saying that Google's tactics are, and I quote here, a spy novel-esque stunt to generate extreme outliers in tail query ranking. Okay. Whatever the I hell talk to the guy in corporate communications who came up with that phrase. Yeah, exactly. It's a completely bizarre comment, but okay, whatever. So in the bizarre world, though, all things being equal, the perfect search engine should always deliver consistent results. So as they get more and more perfect, shouldn't they be more and more similar? They, they should. They should. But, you know, the, the point here is that Google basically had, you know, created these search results that nobody would in, you know, real life um, look for. And that Bing was finding them, too, indicates that, you know, Bing is gaming the system somehow. How do you find the truth? Where is the truth? Is there a truth to be found? Well, I think an independent auditor needs to take a look at both. But I sincerely doubt that Microsoft or Google are going to open the kimono on their search algorithms enough um, to let anybody um, judge independently whether or not um, Bing is indeed using Google search results. 
Well, the other question is, is Google's, this, but Google's point is, hey, listen, we don't need to. We caught him red-handed. See, here's the evidence. Is it actionable? Well, I'm not sure that anybody cares. I mean, do, do people really use Bing that much? Well, remember here that it's got that and Yahoo are the same engine now. They power Yahoo's searches. Now, Google traditionally has, what, 65, 66% of the market. So, yeah, if you look at the remainder of the market, it's mixed between Bing and Yahoo, which is essentially the same search engine, which is getting, what, another 20%, and the rest for the all-sorans in the fourth, fifth, sixth category. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a point accepted. Right, so, I mean, yeah, it is important, and it's even 10, 20% is fairly significant. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's a very good point. So who knows? But the question again is, can Google now go after Microsoft and say, all right, you are doing something with our intellectual property? You know, at the same time, of course, that Google wants to hand out Android OS licenses under open source. Obviously, their search algorithms are protected, aren't they? One would hope, yeah. So I don't know. Are they just playing games with each other? Is there a truth to be found here? Is it the kind of thing that we could say, who cares? Well, that's certainly my attitude. You know, from from my perspective, it's inside baseball. Google obviously is very concerned about protecting their their own algorithms because they've spent, you know, lots and lots of of uh, of time generating it. And, and listen, as 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 a writer. Um, you know, I certainly have been in situations where people have poached my words before and tried to pass them off as their own. So I understand where Google's coming from here um, in terms of uh, basically accusing Microsoft of, of what amounts to very elaborate plagiarism um, in, in the way that Bing works. Um, you know, the, the, the problem here is, is sort of a classic one in the tech business, and that is, is this indeed a case of copy, copying? Is this a case of duplication, or is this a case of reverse engineering? You know, as, as you um, suggested before, uh, Gene, you know, is, is it just a case where two search engines work so similarly that they're bound to bring up the same results? Google says that they've caught Microsoft red-handed. Microsoft says, no, wait a minute, not so fast. Um, it, of we course, take what it else do they say? Would they say, yeah, yeah, it. I'm sorry, teacher, you caught us. They're not going to no, do no, that. No, 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 no. They, they're calling it a backhanded compliment, <laughs> you know, but they're also saying that, that Google's assertion from the start is, is inaccurate. So, you know, they're, they're, um, they recognize um, that Google's upset, but, uh, you know, they, they, um, uh, they, they feel that, like, uh, their position is defensible. Well, it would be nice to see that lawsuit, but then again, what do you think in terms of lawsuits? Where does Google stand with the lawsuit from Oracle? I mean, if that happens, they could, you know, lose the Android OS more or less or have to pay humongous money to Oracle. You know, here's the thing. Android is already out in the marketplace. It's, it's, it's you know, and, and you know, what we're talking about, it goes back quite some time. This isn't new, right? Um, you know, Oracle first sued Google um, uh, over Java-related pat- patents and Android, um, I think, back in September. You know, but one way or the other, you know, the, the, the companies are either going to work out their differences or um, the, the case will be dismissed. Um, because, you know, there's obviously way too much momentum for Android uh, for Google or Oracle to uh, to walk away from the table and, and uh, 
um, and, and just do nothing. At the worst, then, maybe what will have to happen is Google says, here's a check, leave us alone. Right, exactly. And that would probably shut Oracle up. <laughs> Doesn't always work that way. Okay, Peter Cohen, where do we find more of the stuff that you write about and the stuff that you talk about? Well, thanks for asking, Gene. Uh, you can read my words at loopinsight.com. I also freelance pretty regularly for a lot of different magazines. You can read my reviews on Mac Life, uh, Mac Format in the UK, Tap, um, which is a new iOS-related publication, uh, and Mac user. And I also do my own weekly podcast um, with John C. Welch and Darby Lyons called Angry Mac Bastards at angrymacbastards.com, which is also available on iTunes. Be warned, though, we do work blue, so there's a lot of foul language. If that sort of thing turns you off, uh, please don't listen. But you'll be happy to know uh, that my um, uh, that my printed commentary is, is is much more sane than what I say um, on the podcast. He avoids the seven words. By the way, if you want to find more of the things we do, my daily commentary is technightowl.com. That's technightowl.com. Twitter, it's technightowl. Technightowl at Twitter. Write to us, news at technightowl.com. And listen to our other show, The Powercast, at Powercast.com. That's Powercast.com for UFOs and things that go bump in the night, hopefully not in your house. And on the Tech Night Owl Live, a special thanks to Peter Cohen. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode. As always, Gene, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.